Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast may cause dizziness, confusion, bloating, uncontrollable laughter, and in some cases, anal leakage. Listener discretion is strongly advised. This is episode number 24 of Excuse Me, That's Illegal, the podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. I'm your fisherman friend, Leroy Luna, and I'm coming at you straight out of the closet with, well, you probably guessed it from the title, a tale about a largemouth ass. Bass. Largemouth bass. Anyways, it's going to be a good time, and it's okay, you don't have to be a fish aficionado to enjoy this one, I assure you. But before we get into all that, I just want to thank you all for spreading the word about the show, reaching out, giving me ideas, sending in your softcore crime stories, and feeding my fragile ego with compliments. It's all very humbling. Actually, I wish it was, but it's had the opposite effect on me. I'm getting kind of cocky, strutting around the house like a peacock with my chest out. I brag to my wife and kids all the time about how famous I've become. They're constantly rolling their eyes. I get like five, ten messages a day whether it's emails or through my many social media accounts for the show. It's crazy. When I said that out loud, five messages a day. (laughs) It doesn't really sound like much, but for a schmuck like me, that's a lot. So thanks so much for the love. I'm doing my best to reply to everybody. Don't feel bad if I haven't responded yet. I'll get there eventually. Okay, I think I've tooted my own horn enough here. So let's get a couple jokes in, then move on with the show. I normally use jokes from you listeners out there. I don't think I've received any fishing ones in the past, so I just decided to look up a few on my own, and I don't want to brag, but I found a few doozies. I narrowed it down to three, and I apologize in advance for any anal leakage you may experience. Joke number one. What is the most valuable fish in the world? A goldfish. Okay, not bad, right? Number two. Why are fish so gullible? Because they fall for things hook, line, and sinker. All right, these are bad. (laughs) And the last one, my favorite. Where does a fisherman go to get his haircut? He goes to the barber shop. 
know what that sound means? Everybody hop in and let's cruise these suburban streets as I serenade you with another tale of low-level true crime. And don't worry, my friends. I promise to have you back home in a reasonable hour and with a full belly. No need to pack a lunch today. Hope you like fish sticks. Episode number 24, Gone Fishing. I'm going to level with you guys. I'm not the rugged outdoorsman that I appear to be. Sure, I'm still tough, but I (laughs) can't say that with a straight face. But I don't hunt, and I certainly don't enjoy fishing. I can't even bring myself to pierce a poor little worm with a hook and taking the slimy, squirmy fish off that hook. Forget about it. While the thought of hanging out on a boat, fishing while having a few beers with my buds... Sounds like a good time. You could easily take the fishing part out of the equation, and it would be equally as appealing. My favorite fishing tale doesn't even involve fish. Back when I had just turned 17, in the summer of 99, I hung out a lot with a couple of my buds, Andrew and Eric. Sadly, Eric was moving to Ottawa, which was about a four-hour drive from our hometown. He lived with his dad and his sister, and his pops got a job offer he couldn't refuse. So that's where he was packing up the family. I'd only known Eric for about a year or two, so I was sad, but I wasn't devastated that he was leaving. In fact, it was actually super cool, because they still had their home until the end of August. Eric's dad had already started the new job and was getting everything set up in Ottawa. So he'd be gone Monday to Friday every week during this transitional period, leaving Eric and his sister at home to fend for themselves. Then he'd come back home on weekends. Eric's big sis was usually out with her boyfriend, so this basically left Eric with the place to himself. And we had an awesome summer hanging out at Eric's. On weekdays, at least. Blasting music, renting movies, playing video games, ordering pizzas, smoking, drinking. It was the bomb. One of our favorite activities was hanging out in Eric's garage. His dad was an avid fisherman, and he had a boat parked in there. We'd smoke and drink our 40s of old English in the garage while sitting in the boat and pretending to fish, mocking Eric's dad, wearing his silly bucket hat that had lures all over it casting his expensive rod and catching random items like a boot or a lawnmower or a weed whacker. We throw out terms like, oh yeah, the fish are really biting today, eh? Looking back on that memory, Eric always hated when we did that. It was only Andrew and I that found it hilarious. Ah, those were good times. So yeah, this episode is about fishing. I can't think of a smooth transition leading into the story. So cue the music, let's get into it. Okay, today we are entering the murky waters of the professional fisherman's circuit. Or woman. Sorry, I don't want to leave anyone out. The professional fisher people circuit? Ah, there we go. All bases covered. Feels nice to be politically correct every once in a while. As I previously stated, not much of a fisher person myself, so we're not going to take too deep of a dive in here, but we'll do our best as fishing is a beloved pastime for many. And for most, it's just a hobby. 
a way to relax and unwind on weekends. But for some people who take it seriously and fishing at an elite level, they can make some decent cash. If you have the skills to pay the bills, you can join in competitions and win big prizes, even as an amateur, and generous cash payouts as a pro. It's like anything, bowling, poker, even Scrabble. If you're really good at something, there is money to be made out there. Fishing is popular basically everywhere, anywhere there's water. There are many types of fish, many styles of fishing. However, as our story will be taking place in the U.S. of A. and involving bass fishing, that will be our area of focus. Gotta narrow it down. Let's check out some numbers here. According to Comparably.com, they say the average professional bass fisherman salary is approximately $67,000 a year. Not bad. You're making a living there. And that's with the low end making 13000 a year and dudes and dudettes at the top of the heap making around $350,000 annually. And that's strictly tournament prizes. You can also get sponsorships. If you're well-known, make paid appearances. You can do commercials. Hell, if you've got some charisma, maybe you can even get yourself a TV show. I remember watching Bob Izumi, a Canadian fisherman who hosted a show called Bob Izumi's Real Fishing Show. How did he think up that clever name? I'll never know. But even as a youngster who didn't enjoy fishing, I'd watch the heck out of that program on weekends. He was likable and I enjoyed his energy. He made it exciting watching him reel in those bass out on the lake. If you're a big shot bass fisherman in the United States, you're probably going to want to join a big time organization like the MLF. That's short for Major League Fishing. And they have competitions going on year round. In June of 2020, for example, just to give you a taste of the action, Jacob Wheeler took first place in the prestigious Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit Super Tournament at Lake Chickamauga <laughs> in Tennessee. That was good for 125 G's, baby. Started off with 204 competitors, with only the top 10 winning money. 10th place still made a cool $16,200, so not too shabby. According to an article in Field and Stream magazine in 2020, the top 10 highest earners in pro bass fishing history all made at least seven figures. With first place going to Kevin Van Dam. No relation to Jean-Claude. However, he did kick and punch his way to a whopping $6,842,926 in tournament earnings. Keep in mind that doesn't include endorsements or anything else. Wow, all that talk about the big dogs kind of makes you want to fish, doesn't it? Well, it ain't that simple. Those are the elite, the best of the best, and they make that big-time coin for a reason. They're exceptional, highly skilled. There are a lot of decent fisher people out there, but there are levels to this shit. Numerous levels. And for today's story, we're going down a few notches as I'm going to introduce you to a bottom feeder from Garland, Texas, named Robbie Rose. Double R. Okay, maybe I'm being too hard on him. He may not be a bottom feeder, but he's definitely a sucker. And as much as he wants to be one of the elite, he's not. Does he own his own business? Yes. Is he a family man? Absolutely. Is he one of the best fishermen this world has ever seen? No. Not even close. But he certainly enjoys it. We will join Robbie Rose as a 45-year-old man in 2009 in an embarrassing situation shortly. But for now, we'll travel back to 1997 at the beginning of his journey to infamy. You see, in 97, he thought, hey, I really want to test myself, become a pro. So he became a member of the Bassmaster Circuit, and he entered 21 tournaments from 97 to 2004. Seven years, that's an average of three tourneys a year. I guess he didn't take a huge run at it. 
He still worked a regular job, but he entered some tournaments and he did his best. Well, even if he's just mediocre, he probably made at least 20000 That's just $1,000 per tournament, right? Nah, think lower. 10000 Keep going. 2100 That would be $100 per tournament? Nope. You see, our boy made a devilish total of $666.75. That's not great. And what's even worse is he actually made all that money in one tournament. He only made it in the money in one out of 21 tourneys. Kind of embarrassing, although he was facing some stiff competition. At any rate, it was definitely a shot to the ego, for sure. That's not including travel and entry fees, all that time away from the house. When you factor in all that, he was down money, 100%. But he enjoyed fishing. It was still a fun hobby. Double R started competing in the amateur circuit. And with this bump down in competition, he was thriving. He was killing it, earning money in numerous tourneys, including an impressive victory in the Bass Champs Tournament in Cedar Creek in 2007, netting the top prize at $20,000. This victory was extra impressive considering he won all by himself. You see, this was a team competition, and he beat out the other 233 teams, catching five big-ass bass. It had been a tough competition, The fish just didn't seem to be biting that day. Only one other team even managed to catch five fish, and that was with two people. Impressive indeed. But this led to rumors swirling and angry anglers whispering amongst themselves that they had a cheater in the mix. Now, I haven't explained this yet, but cheating is a big problem in the professional and amateur circuit in the fishing world. Once there's money and prizes involved in anything, the schemers and scumbags come out of the woodwork to test the waters seeing what they can do to get an unfair advantage and tip the scales in their favor. While there are many accusations hurled in all directions, it can be difficult to prove. What would be a clever way to cheat anyways? Before researching, I racked my brain, thinking what I would do to weed out the competition. Buy a big frozen fish from the supermarket, perhaps? But how would you sneak it in? Probably wouldn't thaw out all the way, plus it's dead and the stench would be horrendous. Yeah, that's a tough one. But I'd probably go store-bought. Imagine the judges, excuse me, sir, but why does that fish you just caught have grill marks on it? Might be hard to explain. Apparently, staking fish is a common method. This is probably what Robbie Rose did to win that 20,000 bones. Staking fish is when you go out there and catch some fish at your leisure prior to the tournament, put them in a wire mesh cage somewhere in the water attached to a wooden stake, then discreetly, while no one's looking, grab the fish and pass them off as if you just caught them. Pretty nifty idea. Still a lot of work, if you ask me. You can also get tips from other fisher people that live in the area. This is frowned upon, but apparently happens often. The MLF has a no-information rule put in place in their organization. With only two weeks' notice, they announce the state where the tournament will be held, then later the city, and they give as little info as possible about which lake they'll be fishing at. Once the competitors are informed of the lake, they can't research it online or ask the local yokels for tips. And according to competition crew chief Dan Hayes, this is a common occurrence. Crew chief, quote, That happens a lot more than you think, especially when you're on the water and maybe the anglers fishing towards docks. Lots of locals like to come out and watch, and they all want to give you advice, end quote. Lots of ways to snag an unfair advantage, but the biggest, most blatant way of cheating is yet to come. Competition officials are always looking for new ways to catch competitors in the act. In fact, this is crazy. A lot of organizations polygraph the competitors. They actually make them take a lie detector test to see if they've cheated. 
which is pretty ridiculous, but a deterrent nonetheless. They will just completely disregard those findings in murder trials because polygraph results have proven to be unreliable. You can get false positives, and there are many ways to beat the system. Sometimes they'll even hire observers. This is the best way to stop cheating, in my opinion. An observer hangs out in the boat and just watches the competitors to make sure they're following the rules. They, uh, you know, observe them. Bass Champ Series, which is the amateur organization Rose was competing in, informed Robbie that was exactly what they were going to do. And once he heard that, he said, I'm out. I could see why that might bother him a little, but to no longer compete for that organization, as the cool kids would say, he's acting kind of sus. Suspicious behavior indeed. Robbie Rose then continues to compete in other competitions, and now that brings us to October of 2009. 45-year-old journey fisherman Robbie Rose is competing in the Bud Light Trail Lake Ray Hubbard Big Bass Tourney. These names are a mouthful. Bud Light Trail is an amateur bass fishing organization from Texas. They say everything's bigger in Texas. Apparently that includes fish and prizes. And this tourney, although amateur... It's kind of a big deal. I mean, first place reels in a $55,000 boat. Woo-wee! That's one hell of a prize. And this tournament goes pretty well. Nothing out of the ordinary to speak of until the tail end, when there were only a few men left to bring in their catches to get weighed in. Robbie Rose was taken aside to get his polygraph test while the officials checked out his haul. It didn't take tournament director Brian Davis very long to realize something fishy was going on. He noticed Robbie's fish had a large lump in its stomach. When he touched it, it just felt very hard. He kind of shrugged that off and put the fish in a holding tank, and that's when things took a bizarre twist. He hadn't seen anything like this before. Robbie's fish just sunk straight to the bottom. Tournament director, quote, It was just sitting on the bottom of the tank. Normally, a fish will hover and not sit on the bottom. It won't stay in one spot. This one just wasn't moving. End quote. This led to the director marching on over to a confused Robbie Rose and telling him, Boy, you got some splaining to do. Angry tournament director, quote, I asked him, Robbie, is there anything in this fish that's going to disqualify you? He didn't say anything. Then I told him I was fixing to cut the fish open, unless he had another way to get whatever was in it out without harming the fish. End quote. Robbie Rose is sleazy, but there's a heart in there somewhere, I guess. He grabbed the fish and squeezed it from the bottom up to the top and pulled a big lead weight, a one-pounder, right out of the fish's face. It was unbelievable. Then he muttered sorry, and he stormed out of there. We'll get Robbie's version of events in a minute, but for now, let's talk about the aftermath of his actions. First of all, everyone was in shock, because this was pretty ridiculous. Then they documented everything, and got a hold of the Rockwall County District Attorney's Office. District Attorney Kenda Culpepper had this to say on the matter. Quote, It's not necessarily the cheating, it's the cheating to gain a prize over $10,000. Certainly cheating is bad, but it's that he was cheating to gain a $55,000 bass boat. That's why we charged him. We took it very seriously, because of the value of the boat. End quote. Cheating in a fishing tournament sounds pretty laughable, but when you hear it that way, you begin to realize the gravity of the situation. This was a felony. Robbie Rose was charged with attempted theft of over $20,000. His punishment was a 15-day timeout, that's 15 days in the slammer, a $3,000 fine, five years probation, and the biggest hit of all, a five-year suspension of his fishing license. No! 
This is what Danny G had to say on the Texas Bass Club message board in 2009. Crazy story. Can you imagine how shamed he feels right now? I bet that's worse than the punishment. I would rather go to jail than face all the friends and family if I was him. Can't imagine wanting to win so badly that you have to cheat. What would be the satisfaction? Makes no sense to me. Forgive and forget. It's going to be harder on him than us. End quote. That's how Texans talk, isn't it? <laughs> I apologize, Texas. boy, Danny. Although I don't think our boy Robbie Rose is capable of those emotions, he appears to be in denial. Let's hear from the man himself in an interview at his home with the Dallas Morning News. Robbie Rose, quote, Am I sorry about it? Could I have handled the whole situation better? Yes, of course. Okay, the funny part here is that Robbie's fish was good for second place in that tournament. And with the extra one pound weight he stuffed down its gullet, it still wouldn't have landed top prize. Should that lessen his punishment? Hell no. Does that make what he did any less despicable? No, of course not. Robbie disagrees. Quote, Second place was mine to do with as I pleased. Yeah, doesn't work like that, pal. He even tried to say he did this on purpose to get back at everyone. Hit us with it, Robbie. It was a right cross to their jaw. I wanted to embarrass the sport. Yeah, I smell bullshit. Robbie also claims that tournament was going to be his last anyways, because the sport just wasn't fun anymore. I guess we'll never know if that's true. If embarrassment was his goal, mission accomplished. He ended up embarrassing himself and his family. And now everything he has done in the fishing world is under suspicion. He had some talent, and sure, he probably didn't always cheat. He passed numerous polygraphs over his career, but who knows? If you believe your lies, can they even be detected? Robbie quote, I've been bullied by tournament officials over the last eight years. i passed more polygraphs than any other fisherman. I have never done anything like this in my fishing past. I do apologize. I snapped. I lost my mind. End quote. The only thing I think everyone can agree on in all that nonsense was his last four words. I lost my mind. we are back. That's a wrap on episode number 24, Gone Fishing. A tale of a schemer and a dreamer. Good stuff. Mmm, that episode made me hungry. I think I'm going to go grab myself a filet of fish from McDonald's after recording here. Just kidding, those are disgusting. be honest, I've never had one, and I don't think I ever will. As always, I'd like to thank Steffi for voicing the disclaimer, the operator for providing the sweet, sweet theme music, and my boo for editing this episode. I always plan on getting theme music for this segment, but unfortunately, my lazy ass hasn't done that yet again. So maybe next week. You know what time it is. It's listener confession time. So, let's get criminal, criminal. I want to get criminal. What up, Leroy? It's your boy, Shore. I just wanted to do my best to contribute to the uh, epic pod, the... Excuse me, that's a legal pod, of course. Um, I thought I might have a story worth sharing with you, although I'm not 100% sure if it's actually legal. But I'll let you be the judge of that as the knower of all things slightly illegal, if not entirely. Anyway, my friend, so uh, as you may or may not know, actually, in a former life, I was a teacher. And uh, that's right. For about six years, I taught sixth, seventh, and eighth grade language arts. Yeah, the middle school years, everybody's favorite, right? So anyway, uh, 
Something I used to do with the kids was uh, Fun Fact Friday. So on Fridays, I would have them all bring in a fact that they researched and found generally on the internet. Generally Wikipedia, so you know. Uh, super great source there, as I think you've mentioned a time or two on the show. Anyway, one Friday, uh, this student brought in the fact that the uh, Mona Lisa had no eyebrows. So I said, huh, I didn't know that. And that was one of the things I loved about Fun Fact Fridays. I always learned something. They learned something. They seemed really amped to bring in a fact. So why the hell not, right? I'll tell you, why not? Coming right up. So we uh, pull up. So let me, let me backtrack here. When I was teaching, we had this thing called a smart board. And a smart board, for those who don't know, is uh, it's like a touch screen, but it's like uh, in those old overhead projectors they have, except now the, the screen is actually something you can interact with. So you can type on it, you can click, you can move things around, X out of windows, etc. And this is important to the story. So anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. I uh, Google image Mona Lisa, you know, figure let's pull this bad boy up, see what, see if it's a true fact. So there it is, click the first image, boom, on the smart board. Now mind you, my smart board was a rolling portable smart board. So um, it had to be calibrated with the projector. So once you moved it and you didn't recalibrate, whole thing's off, just keep that in mind. So I pull up the image, I'm looking, Mona Lisa, sure enough, got no eyebrows. Holy cow, it's a true fact, never knew. Awesome, I'm scanning, I'm looking at the face, scan on down. It's her face on Janet Jackson's body from Super Bowl 38. Remember the wardrobe malfunction? So there it is, giant titty on the screen, pierced, mind you, in front of a bunch of 10 and 11 year olds. So I'm the first one to notice. I run up to the screen, I'm trying to click X, close the window, close the window, except I kick the screen. So now it is no longer calibrated. So I'm hitting X, but it's not doing anything. The kids see me freaking out. They start looking harder. They start noticing. They're all like, it's a booby, oh my God. I'm like, oh God. Finally, I just realized I just need to close the laptop, run across the room, slam the laptop down, all eyes on me. And I'm like, all right, well, uh, just kind of, you know, pretend it never happened, right? So I'm just like, all right, we got a spelling test or something we got to do. So we just plow through the rest of the lesson. Anyway, that was a little bit earlier in the day. So at lunch, I'm telling the other teachers, you know, here's what happened to me. This is my first year, mind you. So I'm a rookie. I'm like 22, 23 years old. And the uh, teachers are like, yo, man, got to tell the principal. Got to tell him, you know, in case he gets any uh, angry calls, you got to He's got to know what's up. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. So I roll into his office. This guy's name was John. I said, John, tail between my legs. You got a minute? He says, yeah, sure. So I said, all right. Sit down in his office. Tell him what happened. I'm like, John, may or may not have shown the children a tit. Goes, what? What is wrong with you? What are you? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. So I explain everything to him. He says, well, why didn't you preview your images? I was like, I thought we had fucking filters, man. We're supposed to have filters in this thing. Like, why, why are these pornographic images coming to our school? Like, what's, that, that's not on me, man. And he's like, all right, calm down, calm down. I'm getting all amped, you know, pretty freaked out. Like my career's over in my head. And he's like, honest mistake. Don't let it happen again. I got your back. So I said, all right. So uh, another part to the story, a good friend of mine from grad school, he had applied to work in my district and he was actually coming in that day. He got the job to sign his contract. And those who may not know, uh, word travels fast in a school system. So, uh, Anyway, my buddy comes in to the central office to go sign his contract. And he walks in, and our superintendent, with whom he was signing the contract, has everybody in the office gathered around him. Mind you, this man later got fired, I believe, for sexual misconduct or some, something not great. And uh, he's standing there, and he's like, So, he pulls up the image, except it's not the Mona Lisa, it's a titty. 
Yeah. Yeah, he said that. And my buddy's like, what? What did I miss? What did I miss? And he goes, ah, it was your boy Shore, man. He's showing the titty to the kids. He's like, oh my God. So anyway, yeah, in less than a day, in less than like five hours, my uh, little slip up there in the classroom moved like wildfire throughout the whole school system and got all the way to my the superintendent and my buddy who just started working there literally that day. So anyway, hope you enjoyed that. Curious to get your thoughts on whether or not it's illegal. Keep up the great work, man. The pod is excellent. Yes. That was my buddy, Shore. Love that story. You just had me scouring the dankest corners of the dark web, typing in Mona Lisa, no eyebrows, Janet Jackson, nip slip, and I got nothing. Send me that image if you can, man. You know, uh, strictly professionally for the show. Now, was this illegal, you ask? Yes, sure. Believe it or not, as an adult male, you cannot be showing pornography to 11-year-olds. The fact that you even have to ask that. See, this is why you don't see men teaching those younger grades. We can't be trusted. Yeah, I don't know. As long as the kids and parents weren't too crazy. I think once the situation was explained, 99% of people would have a laugh and it wouldn't be a big deal. That was about 15 years ago though, wasn't it? If that happened today, good luck. Your ass would have got cancelled, for sure. Excuse me, that's legal at gmail.com. Send me your softcore crime confessions, and like my boy Shore here, your story could be featured on the show. Alrighty, before we get out of here, I have a promo to play for you, and it's for a new podcast called Two Fly Girls. May and Overreactor discuss strange deaths and the circumstances surrounding them. So it's somewhat true crimey, and they're a lot of fun. It's tough out there getting started, believe me, I know. So check them out and show them some love. I'll let the ladies tell you about their awesome new podcast in a moment. As for myself, I'll meet you right back here in another 10 days with more softcore shenanigans. Peace. Alright, take it away, ladies. I'm May. And I'm Overreactor. We're the host of Two Fly Girls, a true crime-ish podcast taking a fly-on-the-wall approach to the strange ways people have, well, died. And other unusual situations that will cause you to laugh your ass off. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you tune in to tune out your day. So strap on your favorite listening device and check out our show. That's Two Fly Girls. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. 
Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.